All right, we are live. Welcome back to another episode of Elevate Your Grind brought to you by the Cannabis Lab. As always, I am your host, Todd Rosales. Welcome. Happy Monday. I hope everybody got to enjoy their weekend. I hope everybody's excited for a new week. I know I'm extremely excited for this week because we've got four live episodes for you. And we also have some great recorded content being dropped this week. We just dropped our, uh, our interview with Rachel Gillette from Greenspoon Martyr this morning. On Thursday, we have Vlad Bautista from Happy Monkey. And then on Friday, we're going to have a very special episode for you. We're going to re-air our interview with Evan Britton from Athletes for Care, also the co-host of Mike Tyson's Hot Boxing and the host of his own podcast, Evan Flow. Really excited. That was a great interview with Evan. We, uh, we had Emily Paxia last week. Just a ton of great guests. Um, this week, we've got Derek Thomas from Veritas Farms, Elizabeth Conway from Parallel slash Shertera, and then a friend of ours, Stephen Avalon from Mr. Cannabis Law. Of course, if you're paying attention to our social media, you already know who today's guest is. Before we get into it, this is a very special sponsorship for me. So this podcast is brought to you by Potent Brands. Literally, it's brought to you by Potent Brands. Without Potent Brands, this podcast would not exist because Evan from Potent Brands does everything for me. This is what I do right here. I sit, I bullshit, I talk to you folks at home. I get to do the fun part. When I'm done, Evan does all the work. He does my editing. He does my social media. He does my graphics. He does literally everything. If you guys need a marketing firm, if you're looking for strategic help within the cannabis space, hit up Evan at Potent Brands. That's potentbrands.com. I think it's .io. Evan, I'm sorry I didn't write it down, but just Google my Potent Brands. I'll make sure that we drop it in the comments section here. But potentbrands.io, you know, you're probably asking me, why would you not use just a traditional marketing firm? Well, I'll tell you, if you watch the show, you understand marketing in the cannabis space is messed up. The traditional marketing playbook that you have, your traditional social media playbook that you have, isn't going to go work. Try doing one paid ad on Facebook with the word cannabis in it and see what happens to you. It's not going to work. Therefore, you guys need to hit up Potent Brands and use them. Go see my boy, Evan. All right. Without further ado, we have a great guest for you today. Uh, my guest today is his former football player, which is really cool from the college level. Um, I thought before we started the show that we might have played each other in high school, but we played a different school with a similar name. But this gentleman has gone on to create one of the largest services companies in the cannabis space. Uh, something that is extremely needed. Please welcome my guest, the founder and CEO of Work, Keegan Peterson. Welcome to the show, man. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. That's a great introduction. The, gosh, the names of the people you're connecting with, that conversation's so great. Very, very honored to be here today. No, no, I'm, I'm, I'm happy. And apparently, you know, if you just reach out to a lot of these people, they don't want to talk to you. But if you tell them you're going to film it and put it on the internet, apparently they open wide up. So <laughs> That's um, the secret. That is the secret. That is the secret. Cold calling no longer works. Just have an internet TV show, and apparently it works a whole lot better, folks. Keegan, you thank you so much for – thank you very much for joining today. I am extremely interested in work. It's one of the first uh, major companies that I came across when I get, got into the cannabis space. Um, I, I kind of want to back up a little bit. I tend to take for granted the knowledge that I have of this industry, right? And you heard it when I was talking about the potent brand sponsorship. We're probably the only podcast that will reference our commercials right at the beginning. But there are a lot of challenges in the space that other industries don't have to deal with, right? So if someone was looking at why would I use a payroll company or, or an outsourced HR company 
and I'm sure you have better terms for that, um, in the cannabis space, what are some of the challenges that you saw that led you to go on and found work? Because what would happen is I would start with you 30% into the conversation. I think a lot of the people watching need to understand what I probably, at least I'm going to tell people I know, and I may just be asking you so I can learn it too and pretend like I'm the smart yeah. guy, but we want to educate everybody on what those challenges are and why a company like work is so necessary. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I've been in the human capital management technology space for 10 years. And a friend of mine here in Denver, Colorado had a dispensary, one of the first dispensaries here in Colorado. He had a hundred employees. He reached out to me in 2015 and said, Hey, I just got dropped by one of my payroll and HR software providers. Is there anything you can do to help me? And so I started digging in with him to understand like, you know, there's a lot of providers out there. And he said, well, I've been dropped six times. And on top of that, I had to go pay my taxes to the, to the IRS. And to do that, I had to put a bunch of cash in the duffel bag, over a million dollars worth. And then I had to set up an appointment at the IRS building. I had to go walk a million dollars of cash through downtown Denver and pay my taxes. And I, it blew my mind. Um, you wow. know, I've been working in restaurants and retail and, and all of these hourly workspaces. Never heard a story like that before. And then when I heard that he had been dropped six times, I was like, there's a real problem here. Um, and what I realized is that this was not a problem just here in Colorado. This is a problem every single state that was slowly legalizing um, medical cannabis at the time. So uh, you know, what I thought was a technology problem was actually a technology and banking problem. So what we did um, starting 2015 was spend time with banks that were working in the industry to figure out uh, how they were underwriting clients. And we built an, a proprietary underwriting tool that allowed us to show that these cannabis companies that were licensed by the state were compliant and following all the state guidelines. And therefore, uh, we could get banks to, to move their money for payroll and taxes. And so uh, we kind of solved two problems at the same time, which was how are we going to get employees and taxes paid? And, and what was the technology that we were going to use to make sure that they could pay their employees? Um, and then this has grown over time into not just payroll and HR technology. It's onboarding employees to make sure you're onboarding within state requirements. It's tracking time in the facilities. It's everyone's hourly. So everyone's clocking in and out of work and scheduling. How do you create scheduling for, you know, schedules for these employees? So we really looked at this industry and said, wow, they don't have access to technology and services because banking doesn't exist in the space because mm -hmm. investors behind traditional technology companies don't let those companies service the cannabis space. Um, so there was you know, a, a lot of need and, and we, we jumped in to solve as much as it, of it that we could. That, that's very cool. So I want to kind of touch on the entrepreneurial part of this. You said you always worked in human capital management, right? You, did you have your own company before you found a work or were you working elsewhere? I was working elsewhere. So at the time I was a, a consultant working with big box retailers, um, helping them better utilize technology to, to streamline um, their workforce, make their workforce more effective, drive higher revenue through the stores, um, and do all that through through technology. Um, so this is my first time of of really being an entrepreneur uh, was stepping into the cannabis industry. That's really cool, man. And I love I love hearing the stories about how people are taking their expertise and bring it to this industry. And I imagine that that was a really scary time for you as well, right? Because I looked at your LinkedIn, I I, I saw kind of knew the answer to that question. It was a little bit loaded, but you know, as a salesperson or or a consultant for the most part. 
we are kind of entrepreneurial and we kind of have, you kind of run your own business, but you're under the umbrella of a real business that's paying your bills, paying your commissions, handling your insurance, doing all that HR stuff, but also you have that support structure. And if something goes wrong, there's other places that you can possibly put the blame. You know, all of a sudden, you know that you're good at what you do. You know that your service is needed and you know there's a gap. You now have to take this decision. Do I want to leave the warmth and comfort of the job that I have that comes with all these security blankets with it? Or do I want to go and, and scratch and claw and do it and do it for real? And obviously, you know, we look and we can see, we can Monday morning quarterback this and say that you made a great decision. But what was it like in that moment where you were helping your friend and you're like, this is a real need. I got to pursue this. Like, what, what does that decision look like? Yeah, so I've always had an entrepreneurial spirit since I was a little kid. I started a, a lawn mowing business when I was very young and passed out flyers for neighborhoods and set up shop and, and spent my weekends mowing lawns and, and making money. And so I've always had uh, this you know, ability to see problems and, and, and solve them. And so my thought was when I, you know, I originally got into software sales was to make as much money as I could so I could start a business. Um, when this came about was really the aha moment of, wow, not only is there an opportunity to start a business here, there's an opportunity for me to do something that I'm good at and actually make a big impact in a brand new industry. Um, my mom's a social worker. My dad's a software developer. So uh, bringing technology to the cannabis industry and an industry is doing so much good for so many people, changing lives, giving people better lives um, was like a dream come true for me. So uh, when, when the opportunity came, I, I, I ran as fast as I could and I've never looked back and I can't imagine doing anything else right now. Uh, that's awesome, man. Well, let me ask you a question. You know, I, I tend to lump people into categories when it comes to how they entered this industry. And it's unfortunate that a lot of people that I talk to and CEOs in those positions, they had an unfortunate story with somebody in their life that brought them and opened their eyes to cannabis. Um, or there are other people that are passionate about it. Do you think you would have ended up in the cannabis space if you hadn't been in that moment with your friend and saw, wow, there is a real need in this space? You know, were you looking at the industry beforehand? Yeah, I, I have been looking at the industry. I was here in Colorado when they legalized um, recreational cannabis and and had been following the industry. I've always been an advocate of the industry, uh, not as uh, I wasn't advocating as hard as I am now, just because I didn't know how to to really get involved. But, um, you know, I've, I've always looked at this industry as something that was really fascinating and, and something that I supported. And luckily, I grew up with a family that also supported it. Um, so, I, you know, if it wasn't this, that could have been a lot of different ways to get involved. But um, I'm, I'm glad I'm here. I'm, I'm glad you're here, too. And I'm glad you're someone who is an expert who brought those skill sets over this industry, because that's exactly what we need. So let's go back to the beginning days. Oh, you, you brought something up that was really interesting, actually. Sorry, I should have addressed it. It, it happens is, from time to time. <laughs> well, I appreciate it. Um, that so many people get involved in this industry because something happens to their family. And one, one project that I got to work on last year that I, I'm very passionate about and very excited with how it turned out, uh, there was a documentary called Weed the People that was done by Ricky Lake and Abby Epstein. And I met them early on and, and getting to the final completion of filming, the, filming this documentary. And it's six children who have 
cancer who are using cannabis to supplement chemo. One of them gets addicted to opioids and has to use cannabis to get off of it. And this is pre, this filming is pre California legalizing recreational. And so you see over this documentary, six lives over the course of four years and how much cannabis played a major role in their survival. Um, and so that documentary, uh, I jumped on board late in, in the filming series of that to help them get it to market. We got it into Sundance and then um, our South by Southwest. And then we ended up getting it um, sold and, and bought by Netflix. So now it's available to everybody on Netflix for free, as long as you have a Netflix subscription. But the reason I got so passionate about that film was it tells the story so that people that don't have the sick family member, the sick child, the sick neighbor, they, they, they can see this story, they can see it play out and understand, wow, this is what the cannabis industry is doing. The last thing we want is every single person in, in, in America to wait until someone in their life is dying to say, oh, cannabis actually p- plays a role in, in health here in, in, in our medical system. Um, so this story was one way for me to, to get involved and help push those stories out so that more people can see. And, and it's a great little tool if you have someone in your family that's doesn't understand what's really going on here is, you know, Hey, watch this documentary and see the lives that are being changed by cannabis. And it really changes people very quickly. No. And I appreciate you bringing that up because part of what I want, what I do here is to try to help educate people on cannabis and not just, so, you know, I think when people from outside of our industry, look at our industry and we talk about the cannabis industry, all they think about is smoking joints or smoking bowls or bongs or whatever, right? They don't think about the wellness side of this industry or, or any of that. They don't think, you know, when you look at, I use Jane for an example, just because that's the site that I go on to, to look at the dispensaries down here. But when you go on a cannabis website and you look at the menus at a lot of these dispensaries, that's only a subcategory of all the other things that they have, such as tinctures and creams and, and pills at this point, right? Or, or water-soluble powders. And a lot of it has a wellness component to it. It has a mental health component to it. Um, and it does help not only patients with, with critical illnesses, but with, with slight illnesses as well, too. There are a lot of use cases for it. And by you, you know, that documentary goes into the critical illness part of it. But I think that education is so needed to bring to people to say, listen, this is not just about Cheech and Chong or smoking pot. Like, yes, there's a part of it there. But it's going to be a small part of the industry when this whole industry reaches maturity. So um, I love that, A, that you were involved in it. And and that was something that I saw on your LinkedIn. How did you end up linking up with that documentary to get involved? Because it sounds like it's something that meant a lot to you. Yeah, so um, I I ended up meeting Ricky Lake at a at an event, and and someone told me that she had been working on this uh, cannabis documentary for four years of her life. It was started with uh, her and her ex husband, um, who um, he he passed away from mental illness. He took his own life, and and they they lived through that. But they met these children who who were using cannabis to supplement their chemo, and they said, "Hey, we got to help these these." this kid out so they make sure they have access to their medication. And then over the course of four years, they film these kids. And so I, I met, um, I met Ricky right at the end of them, you know, finishing up their filming and, and they're kind of like figuring out what they're going to do with the film. And, and um, I talked her into showing me the film as, as well as some of our customers and investors, we were at an event with them. So we did a little private screening of a very rough cut of what they had pulled together and, and we said, hey, we got to get this out into the major markets so that people 
can see this story, people can share this story. If this changes one person's viewpoint on cannabis, this whole thing was worth every cent and every amount of every second that's gone into this. Um, so we we um, helped to start promoting it through our networks and help you know um, raise some money for the for the film. And unfortunately, those things take a lot of money to get to market. And um, but we were able to to see it live up to its full potential. And you know, getting picked up on Netflix where everyone can view it for free if you have a subscription is like the perfect place for a film like that to reside. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, I I don't understand how you're able to do that along with a full time job, but I certainly commend you for that. Uh, you know, because it's not like it's not like you have an easy job. You're running a, a pretty sizable company there. And Ted Sarandos, at this point, this is the third Netflix documentary that we've plugged on this show. So you know, give us a call, give us a sponsor. We'll, we'll do business <laughs> with you. I promise. We've gone over take your pills, the business of drugs, and now weed the people. So that's definitely one I'll add to my queue and check out. Um, you know, I think it. I, I really like pushing people to this documentary before them having to before them having to go through a personal experience with it. Um, I want to kind of transition back to the early days at work, right? So I, I'm in, enthralled or infatuated with entrepreneurs, right? Because you take that risk, you take everything on yourself, and you don't know if it's going to work out. It seems like it's going to work out. You're taking a bet on yourself, but you had a pretty decent career up to this point. You said you're entrepreneurial. You said you wanted to make enough money to start your business. You get to this point. How do you go from, okay, this is a need that my friend has to now it's a business and now it's something that I'm working on. And this is a moment that I think most motivational speakers, most of the Tony Robbins and the Gary V's of the world, they skip this one part. How do you go from the napkin, which is the nothing, to the actual business, which is the something? What, is those, what are those first steps you take after that ha-ha moment to get work going. And I don't mean like forming the LLC and that stuff, you know what I mean? But the actual (laughs) steps. Yeah, yeah. And it's funny that we're having this conversation today because two days ago, August 1st, was the day that we we started the business. So we're five years uh, in business now. Um, So so the first thing I did when I heard this problem from my friend was I started doing a lot of research. and he shared with me that this was not just a problem that was happening here in Colorado. This is happening, you know, everywhere across the nation that they're looking to legalize or that where they had already medically legalized that they were having challenges with this. Um, so research was definitely the first phase. And then it was tapping my network to figure out, okay, how can we pull something together to have an MVP, try this out, see if we can pull this together and, and, and take the next step forward. Cause the first thing you want to do is you want to test the concept, make sure that it works yeah. and make sure that it solves the need. Um, and then I started going to networking events in, in the cannabis space. And I'll tell you, there's a lot of them that were happening at the time. Some of them were great. Some of them were, were not great. And mm-hmm. I just went to all of them, meet as many people as I can. And, and, um, you know, early on, I met some folks that were involved in, uh, and we were at a, a happy hour up in Boulder and they had, they had at the time were, um, trying to start the first cannabis credit union and they knew cannabis banking. And so then that started the, you know, the collaboration process of, of learning the banking side of this. And, and, um, and so then I got to a point, you know, we started this in August. We didn't get to a real paying, you know, product or paying customer till the end of the year. So it took us almost six months to kind of figure this solution out. And um, once we started getting something that worked, we had a couple of folks that were trying it out for us and, and seeing success. 
we then applied to the Canopy Boulder Accelerator Program and got accepted. And then that next spring, we started focusing on how do we turn this concept into a real business? Um, and that's where I was lucky to have those resources as well as, as other entrepreneurs who had been in the class with me to kind of help me think about what, what is the true potential of this? What is the real need here? How do we focus on the need? Um, and how do we build a business that can grow and scale to, to solve this? And I, I love seeing the fact that you're still involved with Canopy Boulder and, and CSD as a mentor at this point, because I'm a big fan that if you're able to have help and, and have a good experience like that, throwing the ladder back down to help others, you know, would you recommend entrepreneurs if they have the opportunity to get into an accelerator program to take that route? Do you think that really helped you guys kind of, let's use the term, accelerate your growth? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't be here today without going through that program. Halfway through the program, they helped me refocus and said, hey, this is a really big opportunity. We need to build an infrastructure for this thing to scale to solve a big problem for the space. If you're thinking too small, you're, you're not going to be able to help people to the full potential that you want to help. So um, it was critical in being able to pivot the business and start focusing on build bigger structure, you know, what kind of funding we were going to need to, to grow at the rate that we were going to need to grow at. And, and what does it really take? Building a payroll company is really hard. It's a lot of people. So it's, it's a challenging business. Taxes are really challenging. Um, so to come back to your question, the, the accelerator model, I, I, it was, it was great for me. I knew when I went in there, well, I, I thought I knew what I needed to get out of it. Um, that changed quickly. But I had the ability to really focus, I mean, once I re realized what my path is, to really focus on that path. Um, and, you know, these accelerators give you access to people that have done this before. Other entrepreneurs, people who, you know, excel in marketing, people excel in sales. So if you are going in there and you've got a great concept, but you don't know how to actually get it to market, that's where those accelerators are really good at helping entrepreneurs. So yeah, I'm a big fan. That that's awesome to hear. And I think at this point, I'm just kind of asking you questions that I want to know as we're building out this show and everything else. Um, so everybody else can tune out. I'm just going to talk. No. Uh, but I think a lot of people have these questions, right? The, the, the dream of the entrepreneurship, it, it sounds all good and fun, but it is a lot of work and it's a lot of sacrifice and, and all that other stuff. So you as the CEO, this is your idea. You're working on it. Obviously you have the skill set from the past companies that you've worked in. But before you were CEO, you only had to laser focus on what you did, right? You didn't have to worry about, hey, some of the things that your business does, you know, is payroll getting met? Are we paying proper taxes? Did we, do we have the I-9s? Do we have the W-2s and all that stuff? How long, you know, how do you, at what point do you get where you're like, okay, I can't do this by myself anymore. We need someone for that. We need someone for that. And I, I think I'm just getting really tech, like really into the weeds here. How do you weigh that opportunity cost between your time versus paying someone to do that for you so you can grow beyond where you are? Yeah, and, and this concept came to me when I was still, you know, a consultant. So eventually, I, I was the research and the and the me figuring this out became so much that I couldn't do my day job and continue to do this research. And and I had listened to a podcast and I can't remember the name. I, re I really should look it up, but there was a woman it's on there. It's probably Elevate Your Grind. Um, it probably was, <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, and she she mentioned that um, 
do your day job until your your new venture is so time consuming that you can't do what you're doing anymore. And that was kind of the same principle that I took in the business is I'm going to do everything I can. I'm going to work nights and weekends. I'm going to sacrifice my entire life right now um, until I just, I don't have enough hours to get the work done. And then I'm going to hire the next person to do it. Um, I don't know if that's the best way to go about it. Um, And then obviously we raised money and then that kind of changed a little bit where you could start hiring ahead of the demand. Um, But up until that point in time, it was, you know, I self-funded the business. Um, I got a small amount of money from the accelerator. Uh, I had a, an assistant kind of who was helping me just chase things down. She was, she was going to see Boulder at the time. Very, very fractional. My sister was working for us very fractionally. Um, and then we were just doing whatever it took. And then, um, you know, so I had some, some partners or some software partners and stuff that we were working with that weren't paying us. I mean, it was, it's a, it's a nightmare, you know, all the things that go wrong could go wrong. Um, but you see the opportunity and you know that if I can get to this spot that it'll, it'll, then I'm one step closer to this working out. And then you set your new target and then your new target. And as you're moving towards these targets, you're realizing, okay, I can, I can do this. I can do this. If I can just make these targets, um, if I can set them, see them, know where I need to go, focus on them and then and reach them, then there's something here. And, and you just focus on that. Yeah, like I said, I'm, I'm pretty confident. I'm just asking questions for myself at this point. <laughs> but so we'll get back to the business for everybody else uh, watching on you. So in those early days, you're in Denver. Um, I guess you, you happen to be there for, for a previous job. I was actually going to ask you if you went out there because of cannabis. But did you focus on your immediate geography first before you decided? Because I 2015, I'm not good with one my legalization of all the states were, but I imagine there was a handful of states that were legal at that point from at least a medical or adult use standpoint. Did you guys focus in your backyard before moving into other states? Because I also imagine that there are other, every state that you deal with is different because of the way that cannabis was legalized and then also the employment state rules in those states and then things as far as state income tax and, and everything along those lines. I'm just trying to pull the few things I know about you know the employment process how did you guys start? Did you, did you focus smaller? Was Canopy give you the vision like, hey, you can help everybody right now? Yeah, I had the vision I could help everyone, which was probably not the right move. It would have been smarter just to, to support one state first. Um, my, my, my friend had, um, was in the middle of, you know, he had his Colorado operation. He was starting an operation in Nevada at the time, which was, was coming into legalization. Um, and, and so our first clients we were you know two two of them here in Colorado one of them in Nevada and um, but everyone that started with the company started here um, in Colorado and so we you know got in touch with these with these folks talked to them about the problems that they were having um, started you know positioning a solution for those problems um, and then once you know we got them on the platform they started you know we saw it saw them start to grow I mean our first client had three employees at the time um, they now have hundreds and hundreds of employees and we're part of a big acquisition, um, which is just such an exciting to see, you know, you're talking I to and, and the same person that I, that, you know, that I worked with on like, Hey, how do we support three employees? Like, let's figure this out together. She's still there. So, you know, now part of this huge MSO that's publicly traded and it, it's just like so special to see like these things, these customers just grow and succeed. 
And your, our goal is just to help them. To do, we want them to realize that opportunity. We want to give them the best opportunity to do something like that. Um, but it was, you know, we had clients in two different states. Everyone was here in Colorado that was working on the project. I, I tapped into some old resources who pulled in some folks um, that had the expertise we needed on like the implementation and support side of this. Um, cause we, you know, we needed people that really understood payroll and taxes and, and timekeeping laws. Cause every state is a, a whole mess of, of laws and regulations and they dropped what they were doing. They were living in Chicago. They moved to Denver and, and it was, it was four of us in a, in a small office space, just hammering away at this. And then it's just kind of slowly grown from there. And and we look today, I mean, judging from your website, you work with some of the biggest names in the industry going down the list, Harborside, Canopy, Acreage, Candescent, GTI, and then one that, that is near and dear to my heart. And I want to shout them out because they started me on this journey was uh, Green Dragon. And the only reason I want to call out Green Dragon, because I think it was 2000, I don't know, maybe 16 or 17, a good friend of mine and I went on a trip to Breckenridge and that was the first legal cannabis dispensary that we ever stepped foot in. I actually still have the lighter I bought from them. So they are, they, no matter if I never meet those guys, if I never come across them, they will always have a special place in my heart because that was the first time where I'm like, this is legal. And this is, I started educating myself on it and that led me into the journey. So I think it's, I love them, but you know, today you look at it, you guys are probably one of the go-to names in the cannabis space and you're working with some of the biggest names in the space. I mean, that, I imagine that's just the result of hard work and perseverance. Yeah. Yeah. We, our team is unbelievable. They, they work nights and weekends. I mean, everyone cares so much about the, about our clients and the, and the industry that we're in, you know, it's, it's a passion project for so many people that we're doing this type of work in another industry and just not being fulfilled. And we, we presented this opportunity to say, Hey, come join this team oh, by the way, you can do the thing that you're really good at, but on the other side of that phone call is a customer who's doing everything they can to provide medication to their patients. Like we're changing the world by just helping these companies stay in business. And, and that attracted a really special group of people to come join our team over the years that have just done, I mean, tremendous amounts of work to make sure that this thing can grow and scale and support businesses all over the United States. Um, so, you know, I, I can't say enough about the people we work at work with. Uh, I love going to work every single day. Uh, they put a smile on my face. They make my life much better and, and, and they do the same thing for our clients. And, and that's what really this is all about is, is the people you get to work with every single day and the impact you get to make in, in someone's life. Um, well, and I, I say I can tell it's not bullshit because the story you just told about the 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 person that you worked with at the small company that's now there as part of that MSO. I mean, you can see that you can hear the passion in your voice. You can see the smile on your face. So I can tell that you're not just saying that. Um, you know, it, it's amazing. I, I think it's the greatest thing in the world to be able to wake up every day and want to go to work and want to spend time there and see those people and love what you do. Um, again, going back to some of the reasons why I do this show. So you did something else that I, I always find amazing too, is you guys raised a significant amount of capital for this company. What was that like when all of a sudden you've been bootstrapping, you went through the accelerator, like you said, you got a small, you know, for those of you who don't know how accelerators work, typically they'll make a small investment in you and they put you through almost like a accelerated 
MBA program, if you will. It's just that, you know, it's all entrepreneurs. You're working together. They, they give you some of their resources, but it's not like a true venture capital. Like they're not giving you multi-million dollars. What was it like when all of a sudden, okay, we have to raise capital. Were you taken seriously at first? Because a lot of the people that we talked to in this industry, they say, hey, you know, we were laughed out of a lot of rooms. Actually, one of your investors, if I'm correct, is Poseidon Partners, Morgan and Emily Paxica. I had uh, Emily on last week. We're going to have Morgan on August 25th. I think we, we just agreed upon that today. Um, they said when they were raising capital originally, they were laughed out of rooms. So I imagine, A, that once you convinced them, they were a good team to have. But what were those first initial conversations like when you're saying, hey, we're going to do HR and payroll for cannabis? <laughs> Yeah, and this is where the accelerator, I mean, plays a major role and gives you a real heads up. Um, when it, when I went out to all the investors in Colorado, I, I couldn't get anybody's time, which is interesting because Colorado has been a place where, you know, the first state to recreationally legalize cannabis. You'd think all the investors here would be all over this, but uh, they weren't. And so uh, I spent a lot of time with, you know, working through the network of Canopy, working with and got introduced to the group over at ArcView, which was an investor network. Um, and they had done a phenomenal job. Troy Dayton, you know, he's a thought leader in the industry. He did yeah. a phenomenal job of bringing investors together to look at opportunities and found the people that were passionate about cannabis, saw the true opportunity of this industry, and were willing to come in early and support some businesses that made a lot of sense. And, and we've, we've done, you know, a large portion of our fundraising has been in partnership with, with the, the investors that um, have come through ArcView. Um, and now, as it's, the business has grown um, and the, the industry has matured, there's more investors that are willing to take phone calls now when they see the type of growth that we've done, the type of business that we are. And they, you know, now all the track record's there, and that's a whole different conversation. But, but early on, if it wasn't someone that was introduced through someone that I knew, the likelihood of the call lasting more than five, 10 minutes was it just didn't happen. Um, no one understood the industry. There was no data to share. There was no BDS analytics or headset or any of these data sets that we have. There, that data didn't exist. So no one knew what was going on. Um, products weren't developed. I mean, it was just so new. Um, so it was hard. And you just focused on one person who knew one person who knew another person. And then you just chase these little trails down and, and you just create big spreadsheets of who, who invite, you know, who introduced who and, and, um, and we were lucky to get, you know, Emily and Morgan to, to invest uh, early in that first round. They were, they've been with us since the very beginning. They believed in what we were doing. They saw the potential. Um, but if I had to give advice to somebody else, you know, it's, you really have to start building a network um, and chasing things down. And it's a, it takes a lot of phone calls, a lot of no's to get to a yes. That's where if you come Morgan. from your sales background, it's a good, <laughs> you're already conditioned. Well, see, yeah, that the, the, people ask me, you know, what it's what it takes to uh, be successful in sales. I set a terrible dating record because I got a lot of no's <laughs> until my wife finally said yes too. But you know, you get used to that. Shifting gears a little bit because obviously I got to talk to Emily <laughs> last week. Did she get you to do karaoke? Was that a stipulation of investment? I have been. I have been. Have I ever done? I don't know if I've ever. I've been invited many times. Um, there's all, there's all, but I, most times I have a presentation early next morning. So I find a way out of it. Um, <laughs> but uh, one of these days uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to be able to, I'm not going to want right now. We don't have, any. <laughs> so yeah. uh, I'll get suckered into, to, um, 
karaoke, but she really does. She, she loves karaoke. She really doesn't invite people to karaoke and, and kind of like corners you to a point where like, you don't have a choice, um, but to go or really have a bad excuse why you're not going to. She got me to sing on the show and I hope that will never, ever, ever happen again. I'm telling you, man, she's, she's, she's she got you. She did. I, she, she has this idea, um, and, and not to keep harping on Emily, but she has this idea where there's some kind of karaoke fundraiser where you basically, like, we put your picture up and I can bid a certain amount of money to make you sing a particular song that I want you to sing. So she dropped ACDC on me and I just broke into song. And I think we, um, we lost about 10 to 15 subscribers that day. <laughs> but, you know, I'm hoping that you'll bring them back. But, but um, you might have gained 10 to 15 more. And maybe those oh, are the hopefully. right subscribers. <laughs> yeah. The ones that want to listen to me screaming ACDC into this microphone. <laughs> I just, um, I, I just perfect the Irish goodbye with her and just, I know she's going in that direction and I just, I, I find the right time to slip out right before it happens. That's perfect. Well, I'm going to have to reach back out to you before Morgan's on the show and get some advice when <laughs> nothing like that happens again. Um, I don't typically get into the services and everything that you offer, but I'm really interested because HR, I imagine, is extremely challenging in this world because there are so many issues. And and again, even with marketing and and PR and everything else, this industry is different. And if you talk to anybody in any industry, they're always like, our industry is different. You're not going to get it. Our industry is different. You're not going to get it. Well, there are marketing playbooks and, and, and biz dev playbooks and everything else that work in other industries because they're not illegal things that are keeping you from doing it, right? You guys have to deal with with and every single cannabis conference you've ever been to has had a session on this, but 280E uh, tax accounting, you have to deal with companies and people that may or may not have bank accounts. You have to deal with cash businesses, right? As you said, your friend literally had to pack a duffel bag full of cash to go pay his tax bill. Talk to us about what you offer to companies because I also think it's going to show people how difficult it is to really operate in this space based on prior experience from other industries. Yeah. And, and this industry is because of the way regulation is rolling out is more complex than any other industry in, in the United States. And, and I'd, I'd beg to say, you know, worldwide, um, you know, you've got 33 states right now that are legalized. And each one of those states has a different set of regulations that they're running that they're that they're running forward with, and and then you have cannabis companies who are operating in multiple states that have to abide by the laws in each one of those different states, and each one of those states might change the way that they want to do something very regularly, so um, it, it's it's a it's a nightmare for a business owner. And what we've seen. Um, so yes, we, ha- we help clients with 280E. That was something that we, we got feedback from our clients early on of, hey, we've got employees that are working in the grow, doing activities that under the 280E, we should be able to deduct, deduct from our expenses. And then we've got employee, that same employee who, who might work in the dispensary at, in the afternoon because we need some extra hours there. And, and that, that labor is not deductible based on 280E. And then we've got each company who's got a set of lawyers who's decide, you know, determining what that law states and how to abide by it differently. And so we had to create a, a solution that was very flexible to each 
each you know team's interpretation of those of those regulations and but gave them the the flexibility well the flexibility but also the assurance that an employee clocks into this job this task it's going to be in this bucket and i'm confident that's going to happen every single time and so we basically gave them a way to have employees track different job tasks across the entire business and and funnel those tasks into buckets of either 280e deductible or not and then each one of those each one of those employees who are clocking in and out of work, we're tracking their IP address so we can prove that they were the ones clocking in and out of work. So we just had this bulletproof system to say, these people are doing this type of work. And that gave you know our customers the first opportunity to really show something to the IRS and say, this is why I'm claiming this on my taxes. Before it was like, this is, we think 20% of our labor is going to, to, to the retail and the 80% is going to cultivation. And the IRS was saying, well, there's no way. And then they would just tax, tax them for hundred percent. So, um, so that was, uh, that's something that, you know, we were, we're excited that we could help out with. Uh, the real thing that's been interesting over the course of the years is, is the way that regulation is rolling out is, is requiring these businesses to have so many business entities, um, which means that you have to file taxes that many more times you don't see that outside of cannabis. So, you know, yeah. and you, you, you help them with the structuring, right? Well, we're, we're, you know, their lawyers typically are deciding on the structure. We can share okay. with what we've seen as best practice, but they make those decisions themselves. Um, but we're the ones who are having to pay the taxes then. And so, and like in the retail world, you'd have one to two business entities that you're filing taxes for and cannabis, you might have 10 to 20. So that means you're filing taxes 10 to 20 amount of the time. There's over 20,000 tax jurisdictions in the United States, you know, city, local, you know, all these things. In New York, if, you're, if your business has a view of the waterway, you're paying waterway taxes, like all these crazy things. And you might have under the same facility, two or three different EIA, you know, business entities that you're, you're now filing taxes for. So the complexity of this industry and the way that they're structured because of regulation is just far more complicated than any other industry. Um, and it's a, it's, and that's been the thing that we've had to really get our arms around as this continues to grow, it's getting more and more complex. Um, so, you know, our, our tax team, our tax department is, is quadruple the size of a typical payroll company uh, to be able to handle that. And, you know, it sounds to me like you guys aren't just helping people solve these issues, like just by helping them pay their taxes or anything else, but reading with a lot of the things that you guys provide, you're also doing it by putting them on cutting edge, ugh, I just ate that word, cutting edge technology as well. You know, I, I saw something that you guys have a mobile application where you can use geofencing to make sure that when they're clocking in and clocking out, that they are where they're supposed to be. Now, I, I don't know if other companies offer that as well. I'm assuming they may or may not, but... You know, it's not like you're just like, okay, we're going to come in and make sure your taxes are paid and your payrolls run and everything else. They could easily probably get away with the old punch card clock right in the building, but this obviously makes everything bigger. It gives people technology, which also, hey, the cannabis industry is the cannabis industry. There's, you know, you, you're going to work for who you like based on preference, but if you can provide your clients with this awesome technology, that's appealing for them to also recruit people as well too. So it comes full circle. Are there any other cool little pieces that I might've missed? Yeah. And, 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 you know, I came out of big box retail, so hundreds of thousands of employees and they had access to really good technology, like mobile clocking in and out, things like that. And so, you know, when we started this business, we're like, Hey, cannabis industry should have access to the same thing that big box retailers have. They have hourly workforce. 
They've got more work than they, than they know to do with. They're understaffed. Like, how can we use technology to solve a lot of these problems? And the goal with this technology is to, to give employees access to the things that are theirs, give access to their W-2s and their pay stubs and let them re- request off from vacation, see their vacation balances, like just give all the things that the employees should have at their fingertips. Don't make them go ask someone in HR. Um, but also, how do we support them in the environment that they're in? They're in retail environments. They're moving around. They're, they're dealing with clients. The last thing that you need is them to go back into the back office, log into a computer to then request off for vacation or see what yeah. their schedule is the next day. So the, so we really looked at, like, what is what is the cannabis industry look like? What are the needs of this workforce? And then how do we provide technology that solves the needs for this workforce? And it was at a large hourly population um, that needed schedules, that needed to have access out on the floor where they're, where, where they're meeting their clients. Um, and so that's kind of been our approach and it's, it's worked out so far. That's really cool. And you even helped the managers come up with those schedules, I imagine, too. I saw, I, I watched a little video that I think Fido Partners had on you guys, and I'm sure you guys created it, but it looked like it helped managers schedule employees on the sales floor based on like KPIs and sales data. I mean, that that's incredible. I'm, I worked for yeah. Sears back in the day, and I really wish I had that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, and that's the, the goal is we can start to take in demand drivers and look at um, you know, what are, what, are the, what are the stores expected sales going to be based on this time last year? You know, you think about 420, 420, the spike is like, you know, 100% over the day before. So how do you yeah. schedule for that? Well, we, we, can take, we can take historical demand, plug that into the scheduling tool and say, okay, well, based on this week heading up, you're already 5% in front of where you were last year. Plus you got this 100% spike that's going to happen. This is the perfect schedule for, for your business. And then, you know, it's a manager's job to fill in the people, or you can even have it help put the people in place based on a lot of different criteria. So um, some folks are using it on a very basic level of just, I need to communicate my schedule to my employees. I don't want them to have to call me. They can get their, get their schedule on their phone all the way up to, you know, big, you know, MSOs that are doing um, automatic scheduling and, and, and having shifts be created and, and the ultimate schedule put in place to, based on the demand that they're going to see. Um, so it's, uh, and, and that drives a lot of value for a lot of reasons. It's good for the employees. It maximizes the revenue opportunity for, for the cannabis operators. Um, and it gives the, you put the best people in front of your, your, your clients on the busiest time. So you schedule your best people on Friday and Saturday when you have your biggest demand. So it's good for your, your customers as well. That's very cool. So I, I want to kind of be conscious of what's going on in the world right now, because I imagine the companies that are working with you kind of have a little bit of an advantage considering that you guys focus on employment law, tax, all that kind of stuff. I don't want to say employment law, but obviously the, the regulations and everything that you have to deal with um, taxes and all that you know, we're in the middle of a pandemic. So 420 this year may not have been as popular as 420 last year. Have there any nuances that you've seen that you've had to help these companies deal with since having to, you know, I can talk here in Florida, a lot of the cannabis companies down here had to shut down the inside of their dispensaries, move full-time to curbside and delivery. Um, They're just now opening back up, but obviously, you know, there are social distancing protocols that need to happen. You're not having as many people in there. Are there a lot of nuances that you've seen that you're helping your customers or clients deal with given the, the state of the world right now? Yeah. And, and 
And, you know, one of the things that we learned last year is that some of our clients, they don't necessarily need to hire this huge HR team. Um, some of them just want to hire, you know, an HR generalist or an HR leader and then have someone else that that understands the, the business. So we launched uh, a managed services. So it's fractional um, HR and payroll resources. And during COVID, that became pretty important for a lot of our clients who, you know, had to reduce their teams. And, and now they were looking at, at our fractional team as the support that they needed. Um, so that, that just happened to be a, a solution that we had, you know, put together for, for needs that were not related to COVID. But, um, but we definitely saw a big uptick um, from our clients on, on not only typical needs of the business, we need help running payroll. We, we, we don't have, you know, our team isn't as large anymore. The person is no longer here who did this or that. Um, but you also, um, oh, I'm losing my, my train of thought right now. Um, You're good. Yeah. Yeah. Reduce team, still have the technology needs and then they're leaning on us. Oh, and, and then, and then all of the different cares acts that came out. So the cares Act came out, the FFCRA through the stimulus packages um, those were payroll related programs. So now you've got all, you know, all of our clients who want to take advantage of those programs. And that's something that we had to build and put together for them to be able to do that. Um, and then we had to file them. So this last quarter was the first quarter that we had to file those new tax provisions, which um, was a big lift. So the, the, the last, uh, the last couple of months have been, a, been a, a lot for our team, but they've, uh, they've hung in there great and provided great service. I imagine the lawyers and accountants love when clients work with you because it probably makes their job much, much, much easier. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely, yeah. man. Um, listen, dude, there is so much more I want to talk to you about. I want to get into your services and everything else more, but we, we've been speaking for almost an hour already, which this, this really snuck up on me today. Um, you know, before I let you go, is there anything that you want to talk about, anything you want to touch on that we didn't get a chance to get to today? No, I mean, I think you, you, we went through a lot of, of the issues that the industry is facing. Um, we, we talked a lot about the technology that we're providing, um, which we're you know, obviously really excited about. Um, there's so much room for us to continue to grow and, and add. And we're really spending a lot of time right now with our clients, understanding what are the future needs of the cannabis industry. And what's interesting right now is every employee, regardless if you're retail or cultivation, a portion of your job is happening at home now. So how are we training those employees? How are we onboarding them differently? How are we supporting them? How are we pushing as much work as we can for them to do at, at home and instead of being in a facility where they're having to work around other people and, and all the difficulties of dealing with the COVID right now? Um, so we're focusing a lot of our time right now on, on some of those problems. Um, luckily, our you know we've got the mobile app and all the things that, that support a lot of that. Um, but we're really spending a lot of time just understanding the needs of the industry and continuing to grow the business. So. Uh, I really appreciate you know, the time today and, and, and the questions. I hope I was able to provide a, a little bit of value to, to, the, to the listeners. No, you, you absolutely were. And I very much enjoyed the conversation, our little, uh, you know, back and forth here. And, you know, for those of you who don't know, uh, Keegan was actually at our last C-Lab conference in October. So if you want to see him on the panel, I believe he was with uh, Roger Brown and Zach Coburn, I'm calling you out because you're my buddy. You were late to the panel, and it's on YouTube, dude. Literally, everybody <laughs> sees you walking in five minutes late. Keegan's in the middle of starting to talk, and Zach, you walk in late. 
So I'm calling you out right here. But if you guys want to see more um, of Keegan at the at the conference in October, back when we were allowed to socialize, uh, you can go to our YouTube page, search for Elevate Your Grind. And uh, I, there's a playlist for the fourth annual C-Lab conference and his, his panel is there. And then, of course, in about two weeks time, this interview will re-air. Um, you know, we'll take off when, when both of us pause or ate our words and make it a little bit of cleaner conversation for you. Keegan, man, uh, let's let's give everybody the plugs where they can find you. I know most of it's Enjoy Work, enjoywork.com. Actually, before I let you go, work with a U, with the umlaut. We talked about this hat. It happens to be from <laughs> dispensaries down here. Is there a cool story behind the name or is it just looked cooler? Um, it's a combination. I wanted something that um, represented going to work every single day, but not, not how most people feel when they go to work. So it's, it's work with a smile. Um, and, and everybody in the cannabis mm. industry loves going to work. They're the most passionate people about what they get to do every single day. It's like, if you, if you need an energy boost, just go up to a, a bud tender and ask them if they love their job and you'll, you'll hear 20, 30 minutes of why they got into the industry. And that's what makes this industry so special. So when we were creating work, we wanted to make sure that we were encapsulating that bud tenders, you know, story of why they're here. And, and, um, you know, it's really just bringing solutions to, to the workforce that, that make their job easier and then and, and supporting the people that really enjoy what they get to do every day. Very cool. Well, I, I think I got to make a t-shirt out of this because Carson Humiston was on this show and she has something that has just stuck with me. And I think I've mentioned it on literally every single episode we've had since, but she goes, the cannabis industry is unique because, and she literally goes, these aren't bankers. These people love what they do and they're in this industry because they want to be here. They're not chasing money. They're not miserable. They're not anything else. They want to be here. So I, I can't, I can't agree with you more, you know, work with a smile. That's great. Um, I know enjoywork.com. That's W U R K. And, and you want to throw out the social media handles as well. Yeah. I think the socials are enjoy work as well. All right. So you got awesome, man. Well, dude, I really enjoyed having you on the show. We'll definitely have to have you back again. Hopefully when things open up, we can, I can get out to Colorado and we can do one of these in person. But, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm very happy to have you on, especially because you graduated from down here, Florida Atlantic University. That's right. You were the punter from them. I'm not sure too many people know that you have a, you know, a great football career. I, I joked around with you that the first video I saw was you getting decimated by the University of Texas, but I actually read some of the stats from from your career and you crushed it dude and and not only that yeah, top student athlete too so you weren't just an athlete you were the smartest guy on the team uh we have some friends in common on that team so would love to have you back on whenever you can man thank you uh, thank you for having me thank you awesome well folks uh this has been another episode of elevate your grind of course i enjoyed the crap out of myself on today's show i hope you guys enjoyed watching it as well and uh, we'll see you tomorrow, 5 o'clock, right here on Facebook.com slash Group. This has been another episode of Elevate Your Grind, and we're out. <laughs>